Welcome to Pre-Snap Bets. I'm your host, John Silverman, joined by my great friend and co-host, Max Hunter. Max and I grew up together just outside of New York City and have been avid sports fans since we were kids. Spend a lot of our time discussing NFL, college football, and sports generally, so we finally decided that we should bring what we know and what we think we know to the airwaves. Since this is our pilot episode, we're going to try to keep the format pretty straightforward. We won't be going for any Hail Marys today. We're just going to dink and dunk our way down the field to provide you with actionable, bettable insights. We'll provide our leans and bets for each game, both the sides and the totals on the slate. We'll share any betting opportunities that we also like in terms of player props, teasers, outcome-based bets such as NFC or AFC championships or who will win the Super Bowl. And since we've kicked off the pot at the end of the season, we'll be able to go through each game on the slate for this Super Wild Card weekend. Max, without further ado, do you have anything else you want to add before we get into the breakdowns? Uh, I think if I had anything else to add, we'd be talking for a long time. So let's just get into it, man. Let's talk some football. Awesome, Max. Glad to hear it. Thank you all for listening. We're going to start breaking down this super wild card weekend. We're going to go in rotation order today. one 4 one on the board is Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals. Just to recap how we got here. The Raiders just qualified for the playoffs this past weekend in tremendous fashion after defeating their division rival, the L.A. Chargers, in an overtime matchup that is an instant classic. Raiders have been a team uh, of resiliency all season. After losing their coach to racist remarks, two players to driving under the influence, and another for gun-toting and menacing, somehow, some way, this team has persevered and is in the single elimination tournament, the NFL wildcard round. Going into the matchup, The weather in Cincinnati appears to be clear, yet cold, and in the teens this Saturday early evening. The oddsmakers have opened up this line with Raiders as six-and-a-half-point underdogs. That was quickly bet down to six, now five-and-a-half. The total, depending on where you place your bets, is 48-and-a-half or 49. Total throughout the week stayed fairly uh, steady throughout the week. Hasn't really moved much, oscillating between those those two numbers. Um, But as I said, the spread has been bet down through that key number of six and is now at five, five and a half at at most consensus books. The ticket and the money splits isn't always something I take too seriously, but uh, there does appear to be a bit of a sharp square divide on the side with the majority of the tickets coming in on the home team. uh, But the money's back in the Raiders. Narrative behind the Raiders is that they might be in a bit of a disadvantageous scheduling spot as they were the last game on Sunday and it went long as it used up every second of that overtime Sunday night. Uh, and now they're on the road in the first game of the wild card weekend, which is pretty rough uh, from a scheduling point of view. They're on short rest compared to the Bengals, who on the other hand rested most of their players in that Browns matchup after they had that uh, tremendous victory two weeks earlier in week 17 at home against the Chiefs. Having said that, despite the short rest, I think this is a situation where the Raiders can still pull through. They've had success in this kind of situation earlier in the season. If you remember early back in the year, the Raiders had a fantastic Monday night football finish where they bested the Ravens in OT, and then they traveled cross-country to Pittsburgh the following week and took down the Steelers on the road. In addition, this Raiders-Bengals game is a rematch from earlier in the year. Interestingly, I believe every game on this wildcard slate is actually a rematch with the exception of Cowboys Niners. All these games have a pair of teams that have played at least once. And in in some cases for Bills, Pats and Rams Cardinals, they've played twice. So getting back to this matchup in the first matchup, the Bengals bested the Raiders 32 to 13. Uh, But I have to say that I think the box score doesn't really tell the whole story there. The Raiders were in this game the whole way down the stretch. It was 10-6 Bengals at the half, and it was only 17-13 in the middle of the fourth quarter 
two late turnovers by the Raiders blew the game wide open, which ended up with a lopsided score. In addition, from Spot's perspective, the Raiders were in a bit of a letdown spot. They were coming off a big loss against the division rival, the Chiefs, the week before, and they had Cowboys on deck for Thanksgiving Thursday. If you remember, they won in fantastic fashion, uh, 36-33 in, in, in overtime. So this was a bit of a sandwich spot in the middle of those two big games for, for the Las Vegas team. In the first time that these two teams met in that matchup, Joe Burrow only went 20 for 29. He only put forth 148 yards and one touchdown. And importantly, stud Jamar Chase only got two receptions, totaling fewer than 10 yards. Bengals outyarded the Raiders by 10, but the yards per play differential heavily favored the Raiders 5.9 yards per play to the Bengals 4.1. Another angle that I think is worth sharing for this game is the strength of schedule differentiation between these two teams. I'm referring to the Sagarin ratings, which are publicly available on Jeff Sagarin's website. The angle that I'm quoting here is in the last decade in the wild card round, teams with a higher strength of schedule in the wild card round cover 66% of the time. But the more striking uh, statistic is when that differential is greater than 10 ranking spots, which it is in this case, the Raiders are 11th in strength of schedule and the Bengals 26th. That angle moves to 22 and six against the number, a staggering 78.5%. Having said all that, I lean with the dog and the points in this matchup, but it's not a bet for me since we're below that key number of six or six and a half at six or six and a half. I think this would be a bet. So, you know, come Saturday, if the public bets bets up the favorite over to six, definitely might take a bet on that. But, and I, but I do think that the Bengals are the better team. I think they'll get the job done in this matchup for me, North of three, three and a half is too many points for this Bengals team to be laying. However, I think, you know, below six that I'm not necessarily seeing the value on the Raiders that I would have seen closer to a touchdown. So what's my bet for the game? My bet for the game is under the first half total of 24 and a half. I do believe some books have moved this down to 24. I still like it at 24. I can't encourage much lower than 24 since that's a key number. But if you get 24, 24 and a half or 24, that is a strong bet. The first go around, like I said earlier, these two teams played each other very conservatively, only putting up 16 points of offense in the first half. I think these two teams will start a bit slow and feel each other out. Derek Carr and Joe Burrow are both rookies to the uh, playoffs. Raiders were in the playoffs when Derek was on the team, but if you remember, late in the season, he broke his leg, so he was absent from that game. So these are both new quarterbacks to the playoffs. I think that both coaches will not want to risk any big mistakes early in the game, might lean heavier on the run, more dink and dunk style playing. So I really like a, a low total to get this game going. I also would lean the full game under, but I feel more strongly about the first half. One last angle before I kick it over to Max to run through the X's and O's uh, that also supports the under in the first half or the full game. Teams such as the Raiders that scored 31 or more points in their last game, be it regular season or playoff, when the next game they're going uh, to play is a playoff game, those teams that have scored greater than 31 points, 41 and 25 to the under since 2002. That's a 62% angle favoring the under. So I've went long on this one, so I'm going to pass it over to Max, but my bet is under 24 and a half, first half, lean to the full game under, and lean to the Raiders. Max, back to you. Well, that's great to hear, John. Um, I'm actually on the opposite side uh, as you are in this game. I think I like the uh, Bengals to win and cover the five and a half point spread. Um, when we're talking about the Raiders, I think there's one thing that we really need to note, which is that while they did play a very hard schedule this year, they didn't play a lot of teams that were like the Bengals. Um, they only played uh, six teams that had above average passing offenses, which would be two games against the Chargers, two games against the Chiefs, a game against the Cowboys, and a game against the Bengals. 
they went two and four in these games. They lost by 14, uh, 39, 27. But. Your point being that they had four losses of pretty significant margins. They had four losses of significant margin. They also yep. had two wins. Um, and one of those wins was their Week 18 game against the Chargers, of course, although it's quite notable that the uh, Raiders benefited from two turnovers in that game. They went plus two in turnover margin. They weren't a team that generated a lot of turnovers all year. Um, they happened to in that game. Obviously, there's a lot of randomness that goes in turnovers, but – they really only clean win over a team with a good passing attack was against the Cowboys. Um, and that's just one thing that I think is very difficult not to note. Uh, going to the playoffs, the Bengals are very hot. They're five and two. Um, their only losses were back to back games against the Chargers and the 49ers with very good teams. Chargers loss wasn't very good though. Um, well, I guess they're five and three since the bye, but that's, Kind of their week 18 game where a little guy named Joe Burrow wasn't playing. Um, They obliterated the Raiders, Steelers, the Zombie Ravens. They had a good but close one over the Chiefs and a kind of uncomfortable one against Denver. Um, The Bengals do have some issues against teams with uh, better defenses, but that is not really the case with the Raiders. Um, The Raiders are also pretty hot coming into the playoffs. Um, they had a very weird season uh, where they went um, they went one and five at one stretch, losing to uh, teams ranging from the Chiefs to the Giants. Um, although they did have a win over the Cowboys in the middle, uh, but at the end of the season, they beat the Nick Mullins quarterback Browns, the Drew Locke quarterback Broncos. They had a really weird win over the Colts, where they just dominated the game on third and fourth down. And um, and similarly weird went over the Chargers that we talked about before. Two very good teams to their credit. I don't think the Raiders are an awful team, but uh, it's also worth noting that they had a point differential of negative 65. Although in fairness, that was driven almost entirely by their two games against the Kansas City Chiefs. And all the, the Bengals are a good team with a great passing offense, good young quarterback. Uh, some phenomenal receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Um, they're not the Kansas City Chiefs. But, but that being said, uh, the Bengals also have uh, kind of a sneaky, not even good, but like okay defense. Uh, they only gave up the uh, 13th most yards per drive or 13th fewest yards per drive and the eighth fewest points per drive of any team in the NFL this year. Um, and so they just are good at playing the game the way that they want to play the game. Uh, more often than not, they're still, you know, a young team, but sort of Raiders. And uh, just between all of that, I think, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, I mean, the guy had the best rookie wide receiver season since Randy Moss. And uh, the Raiders don't have anyone who can cover him. The Raiders play a lot of man-to-man. They are not into the uh, the too high defense with you know cover two or anything using two safeties up top to keep the defense or keep the offense from being explosive in the passing game. That's not really their thing, and uh, that's also part of the reason I think that even though the, when they played close in their first game, um, the Bengals were just able to 
run away with it because you know those explosive passing plays are going to hit. They're going to be there eventually. Um, so yeah, that's why I like the Raiders minus uh, five. Or sorry, I like the Bengals minus five and a half. And um, on the over under, I I think I lean the under, but I'm not really a fan uh, in general. Um, but also maybe lean the first half under twenty four. I think I like that one a little more. I do think this game will be a little lower scoring, but uh, the Bengals will mostly win the game off, you know, a handful of explosive plays that the Raiders just don't really have the ability to generate. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about this one a little. Yeah, I I hear your points, Max. Uh, Jamar Chase, and he has been more of a second second half of the season story, which was a little bit after this game. And I, one thing I I didn't note uh, in my handicap, but uh. Pretty sure Derek Carr has been uh, abysmal in cold, cold weather games and is a lot more has a lot more offensive success uh, in a dome or in a controlled environment, which he, he won't have the benefit of in Cincinnati. So here are your points on that. For me, it's just a few too many points. I think, you know, you're going through the key numbers of three and four and four and a half. Um, you know, like I said, if it was if it was closer to, to south of three, I I'd definitely be on on the Bengals. I do think they'll get the job done. Um, but yeah, home favorites in the wild card round have been, you know, historically just, just not something you could take to the bank. Um, so for me, I, again, it was only a lean. I feel more strongly about that total. Um, just the way I think I see kind of the, the game jockeying out and breaking down, um, with a slow start. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't feel as strongly on the side as well, but, um, but yeah, happy to, to get any additional feedback from you before we move on to the next one. Um, I would note that I, you know. I don't think it's impossible the Raiders cover or anything. That'd be silly. Um, and since the especially since the game will probably be on the lower scoring side. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's all. It's just just one of those games, man. I think uh, you know you've got a young team coming up. The Raiders, they're yeah, they're new to the playoffs, but you know. Derek Carr is not new to the NFL. Um, sometimes that's not a bad thing. Experience isn't the worst, but uh, this Bengals team, I feel like, just has. I, I hate using this thing to make a bet, but uh, they they passed the gut test. Like they just uh, they just seem like they got a little something, and uh, I can't go against that. So uh, yeah, let's go to the next game. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, Max, I hear you. I mean, Joe Burrow and Jamar. I mean, they're exceptional players. They're explosive. They have a history together. So I hear you. They're fun to watch. Um, and, and, you know, perhaps uh, Las Vegas kind of had their Super Bowl last week. We'll see. So anyway, uh, we spent enough time on that game, but good, good to discuss. Just to recap, I'm on the first half under 24 and a half. Max is, is on the Bengals minus the five, five and a half. Moving on to the next matchup. You know, we won't go as long here. I don't, I don't have as much to say about it. Um, but one, four, three, one, four, four on the board. Patriots traveling to Orchard Park. They'll face off for a third time this year against their divisional rival, Buffalo Bills. Game open, Bills minus four, total around 43 and a half, 44. Pretty much stayed consistent throughout the week. It's it's ticked up to 44 from 43 and a half. Um, Bills still still looking like minus four pretty much across the board. Bills had, uh, leading up to this, won their final game of the season against the New York Jets to win the division and the right to host this game, while the Patriots eked out an ugly loss against Miami. Patriots have, uh, you know, incredibly impressive quarterback, Mac Jones, who will probably get the, the rookie offensive MVP if it's if it's not Jamar Chase. Following the bye, however, the Patriots are one and three straight up, one and three against the spread. The only win and cover coming against the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars two weeks ago, and they won 50 to 10. Patriots and the Bills have both famously beat up on bad teams this year, but have struggled a little bit when it comes to more uh, elite teams uh, by and large. 
the Patriots are two and three straight up and three and two ATS against playoff teams, but they have an atrocious yard differential in those five games of negative 406 yards, one of the worst out of all the playoff contenders. The Bills have also struggled against playoff contenders, two and four straight up, two and four against the spread, but they have had a more impressive uh, positive yard differential of 325 against those playoff caliber teams. In the regular season, when these two teams had, uh, went head-to-head, they uh, split the games one and one. The first one came in that heavy, heavy wind and blizzard game where Jones only had to throw the ball two times. It was pretty crazy. But the Patriots got the job done, and, and Bill Belichick just, frankly, out-schemed um, uh, the Bills. The second one, the Bills kind of spanked the Pats. They won by 12, but the game was, was really never in doubt. It, it honestly looked worse than a two-touchdown beatdown. So where am I on this game? Bill Belichick as a dog north of a field goal in the playoffs is almost an auto bet. We know that Bill cooks up game plans, which takes away his opponent's greatest weapons, especially an opponent he knows really well, such as divisional rival like the Bills. What's really keeping me off the side in this game is the rookie quarterback. I know I just said that Mac has been awesome and he's probably deserving of, of the rookie MVP or at least runner up. I struggle to back him in this game, especially against an elite battle tested quarterback like Josh Allen, who's been to the playoffs in several games at this point in his career. Since 2001, quarterbacks that are rookies to the postseason facing more experienced quarterbacks, 16-31 straight up, 14-32-1 against the number. Having said that, I'm not really on the Bills either. The Bills, the, the biggest thing for me is the Bills lack a successful run game. Their best runner is probably Josh Allen. That's been a problem for them throughout the season. And when you're playing a tough, tough defense and competitor like the, the Patriots, that's a problem when it comes to closing out games. When you're laying over a field goal and you're at four points, I think that they might struggle to close the door, even if they have a lead down the stretch. I could easily see the Bills being up six, seven, ten points or so against the Patriots, and they make a huge Bill Belichick classic fourth quarter push to close this one out. And even though I think the Bills will still get the job done, that could easily get this game you know, under four, under a field goal. So for me, I'm off the side on that basis because I just don't think the Bills have the, the firepower to close the door on the ground game. With respect to the total in this matchup, I lean the over. Even though it's only ticked up a half point, I, I follow that move. I believe this first matchup, that wind and blizzard, may, artific may be artificially pulling down this total. The second matchup, which went 33-21, to 21, I think is more emblematic of how these teams are going to play on Saturday. I lean to the over. I pass on the side. I'm very excited for this divisional rematch. Um, but that's it for me, Max. What are your thoughts on this one in Orchard Park? Um, I am absolutely torn on this game because these two teams, they have a lot in common. But there are a lot of things that are different about them, too. As you noted, both teams have just completely destroyed bad teams this year. Uh, the Patriots in particular, they've played seven games against uh, – the best team in that uh, in those seven games was whichever team you think is better between the Falcons and the Panthers. Um, and their point differential in those games was plus 158. In the 10 games they have played against teams that had a pulse, uh, their point differential was negative 25. They went three and seven straight up. Their wins were by three, 26, and four. And their losses were by one, 15, two, six, 10, 12, and nine. So they could. You know, they can hang with good teams, but uh, sometimes they would not have the best games. Um, the Bills, though, very similar. They also beat up on bad teams, although they did have uh, not quite the success the Patriots did. Uh, the one beat the Jaguars 50 to 10, the other beat the Jack, uh, lost to the Jaguars 9 to 6, and the infamous Josh Allen versus Josh Allen game. Um, 
but the Bills also had much more success against teams with a running, winning record. Uh, they were three and five. They had a plus nine point differential in those games. Uh, their wins were by 18, 25, and 12. Their losses were by six, three. They did have a bad 25 point loss to the Colts, four and six points in overtime. And a six point loss in overtime was uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when um, they went for a game winning touchdown on fourth down. But um, they didn't get it, and they didn't win the game. Uh, but for the game itself, for the bets, uh, I still think it's just, yeah, Bill Belichick, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure how much weight to put into this, but since 2011, the Patriots have given up uh, more than 20 points only four times in the first round of the playoffs. Now, it's this kind of cuts both ways. It's noteworthy that this was – overwhelmingly in the divisional round. They only played one wild card game in this time period because it's the Patriots. Um, and uh, also, that being said, you know, in the divisional round, you're usually playing better teams and you're playing in the wild card round. Well, you do have the obvious advantage of the vibe for game plans. And um, as John said, it's just hard to doubt Bill Belichick's ability to scheme up against whatever the Bills have going for them. Of, uh, one thing that John said that I do have to disagree with is that, um, well, not sure entirely, but the Bills rushing offense was definitely struggled this year. It has been much better as of late. Uh, and one thing that is especially notable in this is that Josh Allen is running much more now than he was early in the season. Um, since uh, week 14, he's rushed for 109 yards, uh, 24 yards, but that was from a 31 to 14 whenever the Panthers, 64 yards. Uh, oh, also, the, his 109-yard rushing game was against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Pretty good team, 27-3 loss. Um, also, I said that game was an overtime earlier. It was not. Um, the Bills also beat uh, the Patriots 33-21 with Allen rushing 12 times for 64 yards. And then they beat a not very good Falcons, not very good Jets team. But Allen also ran quite a bit in both those games against the Falcons. He ran for uh, 15 times for 81 yards and also threw in two touchdowns. And against the Jets, he ran five times for 63 yards. So I do think that's something that the Bills have. Not sure if they've been holding it back or not, or maybe they just needed it. I mean, they you know needed needed it at the end of the season, but they couldn't really afford to lose. Uh, very much at the end. So they certainly needed it more than they, they did early. They unleashed their quarterback running game, which I uh, I think that's the one thing to worry about this game. But I, I think this, I'm with you, John. I think this is just a stay away. I, I would, you know, if I absolutely had to, I'm going to take the Patriots plus works. I'm not, I'm not going against Bill Belichick, but I, I'm going to pass on that. And then I would, I do lean the under on the total of 44. Um, I'm, and this is a pretty soft lane too, but I, I just tend to think that between the not terrible, but probably not ideal weather and um, just the nature of both these teams who both have phenomenal defenses, um, their issues have both been much more on the offensive side of the ball this year, especially for the Patriots, um, that, that this will probably be a low scoring game. And uh, yeah, that's that's about all. So I think we're right on the same page on that one.
Awesome. So just to uh, recap a few things you said, and also I just want to respond to two things you said that um, one I agree with, one I disagree with. So I think you said you lean Pats plus four and you lean the under 44. Is that right? Oh, that is correct. Well, the the lean, I, I don't lean Patriots plus four. I, I, that's like a, you know, if I had to pick. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you. No but, worries. you know, last like end of the universe type situation. But I'm yeah. not I'm not going against Belichick, but I yeah. I would stay away. Yeah. Um the under I, I do lean forty four. Um got you. Noted that down for the recap later. Two things I just wanted to respond to before we get on um to the Sunday slate. One is Max, I think the market absolutely agrees with your points on Josh Allen. Um the the rushing props uh is over I think it opened around like thirty or so. It's over forty four, forty five now at some books. So there's clearly a lean. Um, you know, I had pointed out that the the kind of traditional rushing game with Singletary and Moss isn't so hot, but it's absolutely true that they have a triumvirate when they include Josh Allen. And and one other thing to note is, you know, towards the tail end of the season, coaches definitely tell guys like Josh Allen, you know, don't run too much, slide. That all goes away in the playoffs. That all goes away, you know go all out, get that extra two or three yards. You know, that that's not the case at the end of the regular season when you're a playoff contender. You know, your coach might tell you slide, don't run at all. That totally changes in the playoffs, in my opinion. So I could see why that number's being juiced up. And the other thing I was just going to say on the over-under, you know, great defenses obviously, you know, skew to the under, but sometimes, you know, turnovers create short fields. And, and I could see this being a one or two turnover game that could lead to a quick score. So I just to, just to defend my over there, I think a little bit that sometimes these great defenses can actually lead to scoring points. And I, I could see that in Orchard Park on, on Saturday. I definitely wouldn't agree with you when it comes to the over-under. That is a uh, special teams, defensive uh, turnover potential, explosive plays. Um, probably going to see a lot of that in this game. And there are a lot of things like that happening. Got a lot of potential for, you know, the nonsense that happens in the lovely game that is football. Yep. All right, Max. Well, cool. Let's 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 keep rolling here as we we've gone a, a little bit long on those first two. So that'll do it for the Saturday games. Um, unless you have any last words to say on the Patriots. Nope. Awesome. So for the Sunday slate, we're going to open up with the NFC re- rematch of Eagles traveling to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. 145, 146 on the board. Weather here is going to be a bit of a factor as the winds are expected to be over 25, 30 miles an hour, which has had an effect on uh, the uh, total and and also my handicap. Um, the Bucks open as eight and a half points favorites, which has stayed relatively steady. They've been eight and a half, nine throughout the week. The nines might be kind of teaser blockers for, for those that are aware of six point teasers, but the total has been steamed down from 49 and a half all the way to 46. And that's the story here. Some books even have 45 and a half, depending on where you shop. So as I said, these two teams, they did face off earlier in the season. It was Thursday night football where the Bucks absolutely obliterated the Eagles. The box score belies what actually happened, but I'll break down uh, what really took place in that game. Eagles did cover the seven and a half point spread, but that is only because of a very late touchdown and two point conversion that was relatively meaningless in the fourth quarter that narrowed the deficit to six bucks out yarded Philly 399 to 213 in that game and had a yard per play differential of a whole yard. Philly has been abysmal against good teams this year as well. Oh, and six straight up one and five against the spread against playoff teams. One of the lowest yard differentials against playoff teams in the league, uh, or excuse me, out of the playoff contenders negative 431 yards between themselves and these other playoff caliber teams. The point differential in those six games averaged 10. So meaning that deficit that they lost to Tampa Bay by was actually one of the lower amounts that they lost by when it comes to high caliber teams. So for the most part, when they lost, they lost big to these tough opponents. Bucks, on the other hand, four and one straight up, one and four against the spread, but they had a positive yard differential of 311 yards against these high caliber teams. Having said all of that, 
it is a little difficult to know which Bucks team you're getting from earlier this year. With Godwin out for the season and a topless Antonio Brown doing Antonio Brown things, Brady is left with a very pared-down arsenal of weapons to throw to this week. I'm not a strong props better, but I would be looking to back Gronk, who I think is Brady's most trusted target throughout the years and for this season. And I think his over-receptions or anytime TD could be a play that I look to closer to kick. This is a difficult matchup for Philly as well. They usually aim to beat their opponents through that, that great ground game that they have, but they're facing one of, if not the best rush defense in the Bucks. And in addition to that, I think some of those rushing stats are a little bit juiced because when the Eagles have a big lead against bad teams, it's easy to put up a lot more yards, not so much against a tough team where it's a close game or where they're behind. If you're behind, you can't really rely on the run game, and I think Jalen Hurts is really going to struggle here and have a tough time putting up points against this Bucks offense. And that's exactly how I'm going to look in this matchup. Even though the game's been steamed down to 46 points, I still uh, lean under 46. And actually, I would, I would bolster that with an Eagles team total of under 19. Since the, teetle, the, the, the total has uh, steamed down quite a bit, it's difficult for me to back it as a strong bet. But if you are going to bet the total, I don't think you could look any other way than the under. As I said at the top, the, monitoring the weather is a must-do for this game. In the NFL, what really uh, gets totals down isn't necessarily precipitation, but actually it's wind. Winds greater than 20 miles per hour lead to an average closing line in the NFL of 40.5 points, still more than six points fewer than are expected for this game. And most games actually land when they when it's played out, lands south of the 40. So if the current forecast holds up, I am comfortable going under 46 in this one. So, like I said, I'll keep it short on this one. No opinion on this on the side, as I do think um, Eight and a half points is quite a lot, and I feel much more strongly about the total on this one. So, Max, I'm going to hand it to you for the X's and O's on this NFC rematch. So, I think one huge factor in this game that, um, I mean, you know, if it's a bad weather game, you got to talk about the line of scrimmage, right? And um, according to Pro Football Focus, the Eagles have the fourth best offensive line in the NFL, and the Buccaneers have the second best offensive line in the NFL. But uh, so both teams have that going for them, but Going the other way in terms of uh, defense, the Eagles' rushing defense is actually also quite good. It's uh, sixth best in the NFL. But as you were saying before, that stat is definitely juiced by having played uh, not the best strength of schedule against, uh, you know, NFC least teams. Um, the Buccaneers' rushing defense, it's not the absolute Leviathan that it has been the last couple of years, but it is still quite good teams also have uh their uh, rushing uh, yards per attempt against on defense wasn't very good although it's notable that they're still totally yardage and attempts against were incredibly low which would suggest that when teams were running against them there's a lot of draws and you know the type of more unexpected running plays that tend to generate lots of not especially useful yards um of course Talking about the Bucks, got to talk about Tom Brady a little. Um, in the uh, this is another stat that's a little messed up because uh, he's uh, not played a lot of games in Wild Card Weekend, but over the last ten years, his teams have put up 45, 41, 43, 35, 27, 34, 35, 41, 13 in their only loss, and thirty-one points in the first round. So they are nine and one straight up in the first round with uh, quite a few covers and um, yeah, a lot of blowouts. Um, and also, I think the uh, 
well, I think the initial inclination in this game, when you hear like, oh, bad weather, it's going to favor the running game, would be to think that that really favors the Eagles because they're, you know, they're one of the best rushing teams in football. But I actually tend to think it in favor of the Bucks more because of the Bucks rushing defense and their ability to sell out against the run. Although uh, it should definitely be watching if uh, Levante David is playing, um, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's been banged up recently, and his presence probably won't be, you know, determinative, but definitely can make an impact. Um, and so, I, I think I actually, if these teams were playing in a dome or something, and the line was, you know, eight and a half, nine and a half, I think I would be inclined to take the Eagles, but. Because of the weather, um, and also it's you know just Tom Brady, um, I, I think you got to go with the Bucks. Um, and the Bucks also have a they don't use their rushing offense very much. They're you know, near bottom of the league in rushing attempts, uh, but um, their rushing offense is pretty effective. You know we've seen Leonard Fournette in the playoffs uh, last year. And um, I, I just think they've got a lot of things going for them that the Eagles don't. And uh, I think the Eagles have a, you know, they got a quality roster, but they don't have the, uh, they don't have the speed on the, uh, at the skill positions. They don't have the experience. They just don't, I don't know. Uh, I just don't think they can keep up with the Bucks. So, yeah, no, Max, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, if I was to look to the side here, if I'm playing it, I'm laying it. There's no way that I could look to the hurt side of the football. Absolutely. And also, it's uh, worth noting that the Bucks defense, which has been uh, – I did say Levante David still uh, – I think his status is known right now. Um, but the Bucks defense has generally gotten much healthier since it was early in the year. They're not having the same problems defending the pass to as great of an extent as they were earlier in the season. That's another thing that's probably not especially notable for this game, but is notable in general. But yeah, so I, I think I like the Bucks to cover the eight and a half point spread. Um, I don't really have an opinion on the over under. I think it would very slightly lean the under, but I'm I'm probably punting on that one. Um, that's all about all I've got to say on this one. Yep, got you, Max. So you uh, lean under. You like the the Bucks with the points. I, I'm similarly, you know, I I I'll bet under 46 and my I just played the Eagles a little bit differently which was under the team total of 19 but obviously that's that's very correlated to the Bucks with the points so I think we're on the same page on this matchup moving right along to the afternoon game uh on Sunday uh Niners heading out uh to Texas to Jerry's world to take on America's team line here is opened Dallas minus three with a total of 50 Throughout the week, the, a few times, a few books have had Niners three and a half, but immediately those have gotten snapped up and have gone right back down to three whenever that happens. So the line's still at three. Total has climbed one point. It's at 51, which is where we currently sit. As I said, this is the only matchup on the board where the teams actually haven't faced each other this season. Uh, Dallas comes into this matchup as the most dominant against the spread team this year. They've gone 13 and four against the betting market throughout 2021 season. With the return of Dak and a reinvigorated defense supported by the likes of Mika Parsons, it's no wonder that Dallas is favored in this wildcard matchup. Niners, on the other hand, got into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth 
uh, in a huge come-from-behind victory last week against the L.A. Rams. Niners were down 17-0 to start that game. They had a beautiful late first-half drive to get the game to 17-3, and Garoppolo led his team to a tremendous overtime victory to get the W and get his team to the playoffs. Garoppolo and Shanahan have gotten a lot of flack throughout the year. Always talk is Trey Lance laying in wake, but I disagree with this narrative. Niners have been missing key parts of their offense throughout the season, but now they're mostly at full strength, and they've been finishing the season really well. They have elite playmakers such as George Kittle and Debo Samuel back and healthy. Debo has just been an absolute difference maker for this offense. He has over 1,400 yards receiving this season, over 350 on the ground. He even threw a touchdown last week. This guy does it all, Max Hunter. As a fan, Debo is so fun to watch, and he stretches defenses very thin as they have to cover him all over the field. That pre-snap motion, uh, put a little uh, you know, uh, knock there for the podcast name, but that pre-snap motion that, that Debo does is phenomenal, and it really confuses defenses. I love the Niners even more when they're in an underdog position. Since Shanahan took over the Niners, he's 25-17 as a dog, impress- impressively 12-4 as a dog since 2019. Jimmy Garoppolo, 13-4 in his career as a dog, 12-5 outright when he's not favored, including the playoffs. Talking about finishing the year the right way, San Fran went 7-2 and two from Week 10 onward, tied for the best cover percentage in the NFL since Week 10. On the other side of that coin, horrific coaching by Mike McCarthy. People don't even know what Jerry saw in this guy for him to get a job. Against NFC West opponents in his career, mostly when he was at Green Bay uh, in the playoffs, he's 0-5 straight up, 2-2-1 ATS. So this guy has not been victorious against these tough NFC West teams. You can see where I'm going with this handicap. I'm all over the road dog in this matchup. I'll take the points with the Niners, who I think could actually make a deep run to this playoffs if they get past this Dallas team. Well, I like the value at three. Uh, like I said before, betters should continue to monitor throughout the week, especially as we get closer to kick. Dallas is America's team. They get, end up taking a lot of late wave of public money as we get closer mm-hmm. to kickoff, late money coming in on the favorite. If this number ticks up to 3.5, I will double the down on my bet and make it a two-unit play as we get that crucial half point north of a field goal. I can easily see a situation where the average person looks up on the board, thinks about placing a bet on the very successful Cowboys team. Hey, they only need to, to win the game laying such a small number, short number. Not so fast. Vegas lays traps like this all the time against the public. I'm taking the points here with the road dog. There's one last note before I give it to to Max here. In the interest of trying to give a balanced handicap and letting credibility both sides of the debate, there is one angle that gave me a lot of pause when I approached this game. Since 2016, the last 13 times the Niners have played a game with a total of 50 or greater, they are 0-13 straight up, 0-12-1 against the spread. The angle kind of makes sense to me as well. It doesn't just seem like some, some random angle with a trend. What it's basically saying is that when there's a high score expectation, the Niners struggle to keep up with their high scoring opponent, presumably an explosive offense. And that does describe this Dallas team with the many weapons that they have. Despite this angle, I still like the road dog. I'm going to stick with my gut and the other trends that I pointed out. I think that the coaching uh, mismatch and the defensive matchup for the Niners is really strong. And now that they're at full strength, their offense, I'm on the dog. And by the way, I'll also sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Max, over to you. I'm pretty much in the exact same place with you on this game, John. Um, I was a big Cowboys fan at the start of the season. Uh, their offense looked like it was maybe going to be the best offense in the league. But uh, after that Minnesota Vikings game that Dak Prescott missed an injury, um, they just have not looked the same on offense since then. They, they've still been pretty productive. They've had some good games, although their second-half schedule hasn't been quite as strong as their first-half schedule. And... Um, yeah, so on that Cowboys side, I just uh, I 
you know, their offense has potential. It would be slowly to discount them. They've got tons of good players, um, but they just don't seem like they're the team that is hot going into the playoffs. And the team that is hot going into the playoffs is absolutely the San Francisco 49ers. Started the season three and five and then uh, finished seven and two, including a big win over the Rams in the finale. Um They, uh, the 49ers, I mean, they do it all on offense. They do it all on defense. Uh, you know, everything you said about Kyle Shanahan, true, you know, it can be repeated uh, before. Just can't not be repeated. He's an absolutely phenomenal coach. Uh, and the Cowboys, um, I do think a couple things that are worth noting by the Cowboys, though, is that they just have a ton of playmakers on defense and Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs, Trevion Diggs are, you know, they're special players. Uh, the first one is one of the best rookie defensive players we've seen in a long time. Diggs is a little different. Uh, he, you know, he might give up 150 yards to Debo Samuel, but uh, if, he can get, if, if he does that and he also picks off Jimmy Garoppolo once or twice, that could really swing the game because, well, he's not the best in coverage. That dude plays balls like he's a wide receiver. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I think you just got to go with the 49ers plus three. They just look like they've been a better team coming in. They're more tested. They, you know, they play in the NFC West and not the NFC East. Um <laughs> like, And then uh, on the over-under, that uh, the – 49ers stat you told me before is just absolutely terrifying. Um, and that's why I, I lean the under. I, I would tend to think that if the game goes over, the Cowboys probably win. But, you know, it's, a, it's about the, you know. No, I hear you on that. Yeah. Quote, I hear it's you on it's that. just, uh, so I don't know. I think there's going to be a great game. I'm excited to watch. I'm very. This is definitely the game I'm most excited to watch this week. There's one last thing I want to add just before we move on to the next game or get your final thoughts, Max. I meant to add this uh, at, at the end of my segment. Um, you know, the Niners have already played a playoff game. Last week, that was do or die for them, and they were down 17-zip. Came back at the very end of the half to get that three, and then, you know, the rest is history. They, they won an OT. That, to me, is a battle-tested team. If they Even if they fall behind, they're not out of it. They're, they're in the game, and they, they had that playoff game last week. What, what did the Cowboys do? They walked all over. The Eagles, the week before that, they walked all over the, the football team. I just think Niners are battle-tested coming into this. They're playing at their strongest going in. And just that mentality that they had to deal with a playoff-like um, environment last week, uh, for me, just I, it says a lot about the team. I'm 100% with you. I mean, it's just – it's hard to look at this game any other way, I feel like. You know, I can, if you look at the, uh, the whole course of the season – I can get the case for the Cowboys, but the reality is the teams coming into the playoffs aren't the teams that were playing, you know, first half of the season. I, yeah, totally. It's how you finish, right? I mean, like Tampa Bay last year started kind of crappy, honestly. Right? People are like, what is Tom Brady doing? What is he doing? You know, after that bye week they had last year, they didn't lose a game. So, yeah, it's definitely how you finish, not how you start. But anyway, let's keep it rolling, Max. We're keen to keep it around under an hour here, so we got to keep rolling to, to hit that bogey. Um, so thank you for your thoughts on, on the Niners Cowboys. That was a fun one. Now we're going to go to uh, 
you know, a little bit more of the the blowout of the week here. We're going Arrowhead, where uh, the Steelers are mashing up against the Chiefs, the matchup we've all been waiting for. Can hardly say that with a straight face. Apparently, neither can Ben Roethlisberger. Max, I think you and I talked before the pod. We were watching Ben's interview, and he effectively said, we shouldn't be in the playoffs. We're two touchdown underdogs, and we're just going to have fun. Uh, that's great if you're playing backyard football. I don't think that works in the NFL he playoffs. Said they were going to lose by 20. Not <laughs> they're going to lose by 20. So he doesn't think they're going to cover either. Anyway, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll make short shrift of this one then. Weather appears clear Sunday night in KC. Line open 13, total of 47. Consensus currently sits at 13, uh, 12, 5, excuse me. Uh, a couple of 13s on the board, but mostly 12, 5. And the total has drifted down a point to 46. So clearly some people did see, I guess, some value on that key number of 13. But by and large, we haven't moved much. You know, Steelers, they got into this tournament through, let's be honest, some good fortune. They got a loss from the Colts, who were favored by greater than 10 points against the lowly Jaguars. They managed to eke out an ugly victory against Baltimore by the skin of their teeth in overtime. And, you know, here they are. I, you know, appreciated Ben's lighthearted comments, but I think he's right. This is a terrible matchup for his team. They have several playmakers on, on defense and Watt, Fitzpatrick, Hayden, a couple others. Um, but they're abysmal on offense. Najee Harris is a promising player. That offensive line is Swiss cheese. No one to support him. Chris Jones and the Chiefs, front seven. They are going to feast against this Pittsburgh O-line on Sunday night in Arrowhead, as they did only a few weeks back. Pittsburgh is 2-5 and five straight up in ATS against playoff caliber teams this year. Absolutely atrocious. The lowest of the low. Negative 579-yard differential in those, uh, uh, against those playoff teams. Chiefs, on the other hand, 6-3, and 5-4 and four ATS. Positive 277-yard differential against those elite teams as well. So, we know the Chiefs have a superior team, and they'll almost definitely win the game what's the bet here i personally don't usually love laying big numbers on the favorite but there are some trends that favor doing so while underdogs have overachieved in the wild card round substantially and in the last five years have covered 66 percent of the spreads double digit favorites which are pretty rare have gone 10 and 2 against the number since 2000 i'm gonna look for a slightly modified version of that bet in this matchup Steelers have been one of the slowest teams to start in their first quarters and first halves this year in their last six of seven They've either been shut out or only gotten a field goal in the first half. The one exception to that was in Ben's last game when they hosted the Browns and they got 10 points. Still not a gigantic number. So they were either shut out or only got a field goal in six of the last seven in the first half. If you believe that KC will get more than 10 points in the first half, I think it's worth laying the wood here with the Chiefs first half. Line when I bet it a few days ago this week was minus seven, minus 120. So a little extra juice. I would recommend shopping around for that line. I know some books have bumped it up now to minus 110, seven and a half. I still like it at seven and a half, but obviously you have to be cognizant of the fact that the value is pretty reduced when you have to lay over a touchdown and you basically need a touchdown and a field goal to make sure you cover. So I might advocate for a smaller wager if you're not able to secure the minus seven. Um, but yeah, if you can get the minus seven, I, I would lay it. And if you get the seven and a half, I, I'd still feel comfortable with it, but maybe you reduce your bet size. Um, the total, I don't feel strongly either way. I guess I would lean under because I'm not sure Pittsburgh's going to be able to score much here. But what keeps me off it a little bit is if there's a big lead and it's the fourth quarter, you know, Big Ben and Tomlin are known for putting up points late in the game. So I'm kind of staying away from the full game 13, even though I'd lean that way too. And I'm staying away from the under, but I, I would lean full game minus 13 and full game under 46. But my strongest bet of this game is first half minus seven. Max, over to you. Uh, John, this is another game where we're pretty much on the exact same page. I mean, these two teams are just, you know, they bear just a world apart. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs played maybe the hardest schedule in the NFL this year. They had uh, their struggles at the beginning of the season were very much noted. You know, Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions. Their defense was absolutely abysmal. 
Um, they weren't winning games. Um, but uh, they things have changed as of late. Uh, they're the two seed. They're twelve and five. Um, their defense is still not looked very good over the course of the year, but um, it's been playing better as of late. And uh, on offense, the Chiefs were first in plays per drive, yards per drive, and points per drive by the end of the year. Um, I think one of the things you have to note about this game also is that Patrick Mahomes, 6-2 and two in the playoffs. Both his losses are to Tom Brady, one on the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, another on the Chiefs, uh, or another one Brady was on the Bucks in the Super Bowl. In his other playoff games, beating the Andrew Luck-led Colts 31-13, to beating the Houston Texans 51-31, to the Tennessee Titans 35-24, 49 ers in the Super Bowl 31-20, to uh, the Cleveland Browns, this one was a little close in the first round, 22-17, the Buffalo Bills 38-14, uh, and then that Bucks Super Bowl loss. So against teams where uh, Tom Brady isn't the quarterback, the Chiefs went up. Uh, 32.3 to 18.1. It's a 14.2 margin of victory. That's bigger than the points. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's, uh, if I could chime in there, that Browns game that was close was the Chad Henning special. Remember, Mahomes got knocked out real early in that game. So, actually, they've been more dominant when you factor that in. Uh, I did not even think of that. That is a good call, John, because, I mean, yeah, Chad Henney is, uh, you know, not Mahomes. He's still hanging around, <laughs> but he's no Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I don't think he's the worst quarterback ever. You know, he went to Michigan, but uh, I'm not going to hold it against the guy. You know, Brady went there too. Oh, but uh, gosh, just can you imagine if they play in the Super Bowl again? <laughs> you know, well, if it happened, I, I think that a lot of people think that that could be the matchup. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it seemed like it was, you know, it was I, all people were talking about at the start of the season. Everyone shut up about it because you know, Chiefs' start was just not the best, and the Bucks were, you know, they didn't look like the Packers. Uh, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I know, see it happen again, the, man. I know. They, now they're, they're both the same exact seed, too, right? They're both uh, the two seed. Yeah, it's also true. Um, used to get a buy for that, but not anymore. Um, but yeah, I think I'm with you. Uh, I love Kansas City first half. Love Kansas City total. Bet, bet in both um, at a seven or seven and a half and under 14 in the second. I, the the total minus for the game, yeah. minus, or minus 13, I had 12 and a half. But um, I, I would say if it happens to creep up to 14 in the next you know, nice. uh, 12 hours or whatever, 24 hours, um, maybe gets a little scary. It's kind of a big number. Um, and then, uh, yeah, in the over-under, I don't really have a position. Um I think uh, the Chiefs might come out run heavy. The Pittsburgh Steelers aren't super uh, good against the run. Uh, and the Chiefs' run game has probably been the best it's been since Mahomes is uh, first year as a starter. So maybe it'll be a little on the lower scoring side. But, uh, 46 is not the highest number. The Chiefs could also score 35 like it's nothing. Um, so I, it's too many things that could happen in this game. I, I'd stay away from that one. But uh, in terms of looking at, you know, the Steelers winning or even really playing a competitive game, if, you know, either one, the Steelers' defense just goes absolutely insane. It's just going to be tough because the Chiefs had a phenomenal offensive line this year. They had a fifth-best offensive line uh, per PFF. Um, 
So that's probably not going to be very good for TJ Watt. But maybe the homes, you know, throws a bunch of picks like he did early in the year. Um, but then you're still, I mean, unless they're taking him back for six, you still need Roethlisberger to move the offense down the field. And, uh, not sure how confident I'm that, in that happening more than once or twice. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Not a lot of good things to say with the Steelers, unfortunately. They had a very impressive season, but, uh, uh, I don't know if they're ready to play with this Chiefs team. Yep, I don't think so either. I think they're going to be outclassed. And just to keep it moving along here and to wrap it up, Max and I are encouraging you all to bet the first half minus seven, bet the full game minus 13, because we think that that might tick up to seven and a half and, and 14 or greater, respectively. Moving on to the Monday night special here, which I'm just going to comment editorialize. I feel like it's pretty unfair that these teams have to play on Monday and then they're necessarily going to be on short rest again, uh, as opposed to the other teams uh, that play Saturday and Sunday, but that's life in the league where they pay for play. Um, we'll play for pay, excuse me. So weather in LA, uh, Cardinals at Rams. Weather should be clear, fairly warm Monday night for the Rams who opened as four-point favorites uh, with a total of 50 against the Cardinals. Line has been painted all week, still four. It has ticked down a touch to 49 and a half, but other than that, hasn't really moved. Uh, as divisional foes, these teams have already had the opportunity to face each other a couple times this year. Uh, like the Pats and Bills earlier, they split these games one and one regular season. Uh, the first one ended up with a 17-point victory for the Cardinals in the first half of the season. The second one was a seven-point revenge victory for the Rams the second time around. Uh, the results uh, of each of those splits kind of foreshadows the handicap uh, that I have for the game. Both these teams started the season super hot, but have had a lot of question marks as of late despite their records. Between Stafford throwing eight interceptions in the last four games and Arizona losing key components of their offense, such as Kyler Murray's go-to target, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, as of today, James Conner was not spotted at practice, this puts even more pressure on the shoulders of Murray to potentially participate in the run game and find uh, new air targets to go to. While Arizona is 8-1 and one against the spread on the road, we have to keep in mind that their recent road uh, ATS loss was also a straight-up loss against the Detroit Lions only just a few weeks ago. Uh, so they really seem to be a team in decline. They've lost four of their last five games. Uh, the Rams have also looked pretty shoddy as the plays I just mentioned about Stafford. They barely beat a super hobbled Ravens team two weeks ago, only having victory by a point. And last week, like we talked about a couple games ago, they uh, lost an OT to the Niners, which actually mattered to them because it put their divisional title at risk, which is something you want to win. Um, but fortunately for them, Arizona also lost their game against the lowly Seahawks. So they still uh, secured the division title. This is going to be a high-pressure game for Stafford. Uh, the narrative is here that he's, you know, never really won the big game. He lost in the playoffs against uh, the Cowboys in one game, and that, that's basically about it. Heck, Max, you're a college football guy. The last big game Matt Stafford probably won was the Sugar Bowl against Hawaii many, many moons ago. Yeah, that Hawaii <laughs> team was just a little outclassed in that game, too. <laughs> but having said that, I got to be honest, I lean the Rams in this spot despite that. Mostly on coaching. McVay is a superior coach to Cliff Kingsbury. And Kyler Murray, while he's awesome, he is a rookie to the postseason and Stafford is not. I think that the veteran staff of this Rams uh, organization can get the job done. At four points, it's a little bit too much lumber to lay. So for me, it's, it's a strong lean as opposed to a play. I might continue to monitor and, you know, might make a bet before Monday night, depending on, you know, injuries and things like that. Um, but if anyone's looking to bet the Rams, I do have some kind of damning statistics on that coaching mismatch that I just mentioned. Sean McVay is nine and one against the spread against Arizona and five and one against the spread against Cliff Kingsbury. They've absolutely dominated this matchup. And speaking to laying the lumber, Los Angeles was favored in all but one of those six games. Um, and it was actually the past uh, meeting, uh, meeting in, in week 14. 
So they have been able to win and win with margin against Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, in, in the recent past when Sean McVay's at the helm. So with Max, with that, Max, that's really all I have on this game. A strong lean to the Rams, nothing on the total. Um, and, yeah, that, that's it for me. Back to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is another game where I really couldn't agree with you anymore. I think, um, you know, both these teams were very much tale of two seasons. And uh, much like the Dallas Cowboys, they really wish it was the first half that season, not the second half. Um, the Cardinals had a better season than last year, obviously, but it was very similar in that uh, Kyler Murray got hurt in the middle of the year. He came back, and it just things didn't quite seem there on offense that were there before. Of course, you also got to note that DeAndre Hopkins has been banged up pretty much all year and uh, is just out now. Um, that does not bode well for the uh, Cardinals offense, historically. Um, the Rams, on the other hand, they're Problem has been more of the uh, Matt Stafford throwing an absolute ton of absolutely mind-numbingly bad interceptions. Um, just something that Matt Stafford does every now and then. He's got a little bit of uh, Brett Favre in him, I think. Um, however, I would be much less worried. I'd be significantly less worried about or more confident in the Rams' ability to correct their issues and the Cardinals' ability to correct their issues. Uh, I know James Conner is also out. So the, this Cardinals team's they're missing some of their best players in offense. Uh, Kyle Murray has been playing as well recently. I, I think I would lean the Rams minus four, but I'm not super high on it just because, yet again, the, the Rams haven't been playing very well recently. Um, I also do think uh, John noted that Matt Stafford is new to the playoffs been a little while he only went there three times the lions um he did play pretty well in two losses although he also got uh he did, and had one extremely bad game but that bad game was against the late legion of boom era seahawks um so it's a pretty good defense you know no shame in having a bad game against them on a team like the lions um but yeah i just think there's too much up in the air with this game both these teams are kind of funky the uh, the line's not in the Vegas zone, but it's close to it. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I lean Rams little. I have no position on the uh, over under. Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch this game, but also I think it might kind of just be a, a stinker that you know one team randomly blows out the other team, but who the hell knows who it's going to be? Yeah, I agree. For me, it's currently a stay away. I'm going to monitor. Uh you know, throughout the week. Um, and, and frankly, like I said, kind of a few times throughout the pod, you know, these short favorites that that's Vegas, specialty in these, in these wild card games, they, they, these uh, short dogs, they really cover a good percentage of the time. So I, I get a little scared of, of laying the wood, even though it's only four points. So um, with that, Max, th- thank you so much for your, for your views. I think that'll do it for the sides and totals portion of the pod. Um, so just going to wrap up with a few things here before we summarize our picks for the show. Um, in terms of other bets, such as parlays, teasers, props, the one we talked about was a, a Gronk anytime touchdown. Um, the only other thing that comes to mind for me, a, a lot of bettors might want to tease down the bucks from that eight and a half to under a field goal to two and a half. The main problem some bettors might find is that there's not uh, another game that you could tease through the three and seven. I think a bunch of bettors, though, might tease uh, the Chiefs from 13 down under uh, a, a touchdown there if you want to pair it with that. Or if the Niners get down to two and a half, you could tease that up to eight and a half. It's a great teaser leg. Um, so those are just some additional betting options if that's something that tickles your fancy. 
Um, Max, any other props or bets that are a little special or Super Bowl totals or something that you want to share before we bow out and just give the, the best bets in summary? Um, it, I would note that I really like the 49ers. So it's huge like that if it goes down two and a half at well, because mm-hmm. even with the 49ers don't win that game, I think there's almost no way it doesn't end up being close. Um, mm-hmm. But you're going to want to go through those key numbers, so you'd want to watch out for that one. But, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say on those ones. And, um, I don't know, any general thoughts, you know, regardless of uh, odds or anything? Who do you like for the Super Bowl? Uh, who are you excited to watch in the playoffs? Um, you know, yeah, I'm excited for, yeah, I'm excited for all these games. I mean, I think one team that's a little underrated from a AFC Championship or Super Bowl winner perspective that we haven't touched upon because they have a bye is the Titans. I think between having a bye this week and getting Henry back, they might be a little underrated and a lot of the – you know, DVOA and other metrics might, um, you know, kind of not give them the benefit of the doubt since they were missing so many of their offensive weapons for a vast majority of the season or at least a large portion of the season. Um, so I'm watching them. I think they're about 8.5 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Um, so I think it's at least worth a look. Um, and, yeah, I think we already, you know, also spoke about the, the Bucks being just such a strong team, even though they've lost some of their weapons. So no, nothing huge for me on those, but that's that's my my only thought at the moment. Um. Yeah, I think uh... – Definitely looking forward to watching, um, you know, the Bengals, the Chiefs, some of these teams with uh, good young quarterbacks. We're seeing, you know, a little bit of a change in the guard right now. Um, obviously, you know, Tom Brady's still doing Tom Brady things somehow. Aaron Rodgers is playing, uh, you know, probably winning the MVP. Um, but uh, there, there are quite a few good young quarterbacks in the league right now, and I'm excited to watch them. Um, although I, I just have a feeling that we're end up probably going to see in the same teams that we've seen the last uh, last three years because, uh, well, not the same teams, but it's hard to, you know, not talk about the Buccaneers with Brady it's the same way you talk about the Patriots with Brady. Yeah, so, I hear you. Uh, yeah. But, All right, well, uh, yeah. I'll just give a quick summary then of our picks and, and do a little outro here. Um, so um, Bengals, Raiders, uh, we both uh, agreed with the, the under, but for you it was a lean on the full game uh, and a lean on the, the first half. I'm a bet on that first half. Uh, in terms of the side, I lean the Raiders. You bet the Bengals. Patriots, Bills, I passed on the side, leaned over 44. Um, you had a small, small lean to the Patriots and a stronger lean to the under 44. So on those first two games, we were a little bit opposite sides. Bucks, Eagles, we were more aligned here. We both leaned under 46, and we both like uh, the Bucks side. I like to express that with a team total under 19 for the Eagles. You like to take the, the – you'll lay the points, eight and a half. Um, you noted a lot of that was because of the weather and the disadvantage that that means for the Eagles team. Niners, Cowboys, we both love the Niners here. We took the plus three, also sprinkled the money line. Um, I didn't have many thoughts on the total. You lean the under, which makes sense. That's correlated to the Niners' victory. Steelers, Chiefs, we both love the favorite here, uh, laying the double-digit points. Um, you know, you bet it uh, full game. I was a lean full game, but my strong bet was was first half. Um, no position on the total for either of us. Finishing it up, Cardinals, Rams. We both lean Rams uh, minus four. Um, my best bet uh, for the week, so we give you our strongest opinion, is that. Um, uh, uh, Chiefs uh, minus seven first half. If you're not able to get that number, I'll give you my second best bet, which is that Bengals Raiders under 24 and a half or 24 first half. Max, what's your best bet for this week? Uh, I think I've got to go with you on the Chiefs first half bet. And um, I'm confident in the Chiefs to take the full game uh, line on that one as well, as long as uh, you know, I doubt it creeps up to 14 over the next uh, two days. But you never know. Um, so as long as it's under 13 and a half, 
Kansas City all the way. All right. We're taking the home chalk here with Kansas City. Thanks, Max, and thank you all for hopefully new and loyal listeners. Please follow, rate, subscribe, and like the podcast. Just want to also add that we're going to roll out additional episodes throughout the remainder of the playoffs. We would really appreciate any and all of the feedback that you have for Max and I as we're we're new to this gig here. Uh, We don't have a Twitter or Instagram handle just at this very moment, but we aim to put one up uh, uh, probably before the next episode through the course of this week, perhaps a YouTube channel as well in the future. Um, I'll post uh, our emails in the show notes so that you can give us feedback uh, for this week in the time being. And thank you all again. And hope you all win your bets this weekend. And you join us next week on pre-snap bets. Thanks. We're out. Bye. Peace.